This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Hey, we started a new series last week called Break the Cycle. We're talking about how the enemy gets us into cycles in our life. And his purpose of getting us into cycles is this, to interrupt God's plans for your life. Did you get that? He wants to interrupt God's plans for your life. Okay? You're on the earth. You're alive. You're breathing today because God destined, called, desired, and handpicked for you to be alive right now. Okay? You are alive for a reason, to do great exploits for Jesus and his kingdom. And he wants to get you in cycles to interrupt those plans. He wants to shut down your growth and relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, when you are alive and your life is alive in Jesus, it just simply pours out of you. Right? Whatever you are passionate about, you will post on Facebook, right? You will tell somebody what you are excited about, okay? Maybe a latte, you know what I mean? You're going to tell the world about that latte, okay? And that was $7, you know? Like, what in the world, okay? So whatever you're passionate about will just come out of you. So the enemy wants to interrupt your relationship, your passion, your drive for Jesus because he doesn't want the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth. I said this last week. There's people you work with. There's people you know. Eternity is in your hands for them. Your willingness to go, listen, I want you to know The earth's shaking, but there's a rock called Jesus that you can build your life on, right? Somebody's marriage that you know, instead of being a tragedy of divorce, not saying that when, listen, I I know that there's lots of people in here that have been divorced before, and God is a God who restores, he's a God that heals, and I, I believe that, but I also believe that there are marriages God wants to heal so they don't get divorced, and you know people, So you shining bright for Jesus now really matters. He wants to make you feel unqualified, right? That's a big thing, really big thing. He wants to make you feel like, I don't really have anything to say. Well, you know what? I knew this guy in the Bible named Peter that said a lot of dumb stuff all the time, okay? And then he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and then 5,000 people got saved like that. Right? Listen, there are so many times I walk into situations, I go, I don't know what to do. But you do. And I'm just willing to do whatever you want me to do. There's moments I walk into hospital rooms and I'm just like, God, I don't know what to do. He'll just lead me, He'll lead you. It's not because I'm worthy. Trust me, I'm a bigger sinner than all of you, okay? All right? You're like, that's not right. You're the pastor. Something's wrong here, okay? Listen, God wants to use you, but the enemy wants to make you feel unqualified. 
He wants to stop you from finding victory in your life. He wants to stop you from finding victory in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendship. He wants to stop you, so he will build cycles in your life to stop you. Matthew 4, we talked about this last week. Matthew 4, verse 4, we'll have it on the screen. Jesus said this, he answered, the scriptures say bread alone will not satisfy you. I don't know, though, about that, because there's some really good bread in this earth, okay? All right. Bread alone will not satisfy you, but true life is found in every word that consistently goes forth from the mouth of God, okay? So God's word, time spent with him is the only way that we break the cycles the enemy puts us in. So let's look at our cycle, okay? We have this cycle that the Lord showed me. It starts with hopelessness. We talked about hopelessness last week, and if you weren't here, I want you, I urge you, go watch the message, okay? It's on YouTube. You can download the podcast. There's many ways you can listen to it. Please, please, please listen to that message. But the enemy, he'll start with hopelessness, okay? And then what will he do? He'll move us into temptation. He'll move us into sin patterns, okay, in our life. From the sin pattern, he'll bring us into guilt, right? take us into shame, unto unworthy, and then where does he bring us ultimately? To this place that we think that God is angry and mad and we fear God, right? And then once we fear God, once we have this sense that God is angry with me, frustrated with me, upset at me, then it takes us right back to this place where we go, I'm hopeless. If Jesus doesn't love me, who does love me? If Jesus isn't for me, then who is for me? Okay? Listen, there, I don't know. Hmm. There's some of you in here today, and you walked in with fear that the Lord is upset at you. The Lord clearly, clearly, clearly is saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. You need to receive that today. So we're going to look at two examples today. And we're going to kind of tie hopeless and temptation together, okay? And I know when we talk about temptation, we talk about sin, I think everybody just like kind of like gets real tense, right? You're like, you said the S word, you know, you said sin, you know? I know we're all going to hell, you know what I mean? Like, listen, it's not going to be one of those messages, okay? When I grew up in church, when we talked about sin, I mean... It was like, I'm gonna go home and like burn everything I have, you know what I mean? And so, like, remember that, Ryan? It was just like that. It was like, it was like judgment and condemnation. Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit loves us. He will point out things he wants to change, not because he's angry at you, only because he wants you to have victory in your life. Okay, so let's just establish that. But we're going to look at two examples today. The first example is Jesus. So Hebrews chapter 4 gives us an understanding of how Jesus sees us. Okay, verse 14. So then we must cling to the faith, uh, we must cling to our faith in all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realms for us. And now he sympathizes in our frailty. Isn't that good news? That he understands that we are humans, right? And humans do dumb things. Can I get an amen from anybody, okay? And if you don't believe that's you, 
oh, we're praying for you today, okay? All right? Verse 15. He understands our humanity, for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted, tempted, temptation. He understands temptation, right? In every way, just as we are, but conquered sin. So Jesus knows temptation, but didn't give in to it. He conquered it, okay? Verse 16, so now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned. God's love abounds to you today. He loves you, okay? To receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our times of weakness. Jesus is making it really clear to us. He understands. Now Luke, go to Luke. We're at Luke chapter 22. This is Jesus in the garden right before he's going to go to the cross. Verse 41. Then he withdrew from them for a short distance to be alone. Kneeling down, he prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of agony from me. But no matter what, your will must be mine. Jesus called for an angel of glory to strengthen him, and the angel appeared. He prayed even more passionately, okay, until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood dripping to the ground, okay? So first thing we need to understand is this. Jesus understands hopelessness and temptation, Okay? He's fully God, but he's fully man, right? But as fully God, he understands what he's about to endure. Years ago, during Easter season, I just felt like the Lord challenged me to research, to study the depths of what Jesus went through on his way to the cross and the cross, to study what true crucifixion was, to study things. And I'll never forget the most horrific part that I, I still today just can't wrap my mind around. Is when they whipped him. They would have these long strips of leather And they would put bone and rock and glass into the leather so that the bone and the rock and the glass would tear deep into the body, go deep into the flesh, rip off all the flesh. And then after the flesh was ripped off, he would rip the muscle and the tendon. And I remember I was reading that. He goes, I did it for you. I was thinking of you the whole time. And so Jesus, can you imagine him in the garden? And he knows what he's about to go through. He understands what he's about to go through. Can you imagine the hopelessness he felt? The feeling of like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. See, Jesus at any moment as a man could have said, you know what, I can't do this. This is too much. 
Way too much. I can't, I can't do all this. See, Jesus understands the greatest temptation of all. Okay, what is the greatest temptation of all? Itself. Oh, is that just passed over some people's heads? Okay. The greatest temptation of all is self. It's choosing our good over whatever God has in store for us. Right? It's my choice. I go, God, I choose me over my family, my kids, my friends. I choose me over whatever plans you have for my life, God. I choose self. Jesus could have chose self in temptation and gone, you know what, God, we got to figure out a different way. It's got to be a different way. But he understands that feeling of temptation. The other thing that I, I, I totally understand is this. It says that Jesus was praying so fervently that he began to bleed when he was praying. And I'm really excited. Uh, this Easter, we're actually going to have two Easter weekends. We know that spring break kind of butts up with Easter. And so on Palm Sunday, we're going to do an Easter celebration. And on Easter morning, we're going to do an Easter celebration. So you're going to get two of them this year. How great is that, okay? And during that time, um, I'm going to share during both of those weekends about the seven times Jesus bled. And you're like, what? See, Jesus bled seven times, okay? What does the number seven mean? It means perfection. And he bled seven different times so that we could have victory in life. And I'm gonna share that during Easter, but one of the things that, that I'm gonna share today is we need to understand that when Jesus bled, this is actually a physical, documented, um, medical thing. Okay, it's a word I can't even pronounce. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce because I'm gonna sound stupid, okay? But you can look it up. This phenomena where you are in such emotional stress. Have you ever felt that before? Where your heart, you are just emotionally torn. You are emotionally in knots and you feel the stress and the pressure upon you. It says that when this happens, that sometimes the sweat that comes out can actually mix with blood and you can bleed just like Jesus said. What it means is this, the, the physical definition for this is that Jesus was going into shock. That's what was happening medically. That Jesus could see what was about to happen and he was going into shock. But when he bled, he bled because this, he understands the emotional stress that can be upon your life that will lead you to where? Temptation. Have you ever noticed this? That people make really poor life decisions in times of stress, right? They end up moving to temptation. They end up moving into something that God never intended for them. Why? Because they're stressed. They're looking for a release. They're looking for an outlet. But Jesus understands it. Jesus understands what it feels to be hopeless. He understands what it feels like to have fear and anxiety. So when Jesus bleeds, okay, we got to understand this. When Jesus bled, why was he bleeding at that moment? There was a reason why he was bleeding at that moment. The reason he shed his blood at that very moment was to do what? To give us victory in our emotional life. Amen? The blood of Jesus covers us. The blood of Jesus strengthens us. 
Okay, so he bled because he understood that you would have stressed out emotional times. I understand this. Last couple months, I've been there. I've just been stressed. Life's been a lot. I know you, I, I heard this prophetic uh, person say, it's like going on the narrow path. Like 2020 was the narrow path. It's a long year, and I don't know what. It just, the end of the year, I just got completely stressed out. And when I get stressed out, I don't know about you, I don't get happy, okay? Anybody get happy when they get stressed out? If you do, come talk to me, counsel me, okay? But when I get stressed out, I get angry. Do I got any angry people in the house? Okay, there should be way more hands up, okay? I get angry, okay? When I get angry, my mouth becomes the not nice place, okay? Let's just say that. Lots of idle words, lots of things that are just rolling out of my mouth. It's like, I mean, if you're around me in these seasons, you're like, you want to hide under things, you know what I mean? You want to like go, like shelter, okay? Ryan understands. He's had moments for me like this where I'll call him and I'm just like, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's like a demonic thing. It's like, no, just understands. Okay. But what do we know about words? We know this, that words are life and death. So I end up speaking what? A lot of death. Okay. So I've been super stressed out, super angry, super emotional. Okay. And so I, I feel this sense of hopelessness. In the last couple of months, there were some moments with some things that I just felt this hopelessness and it brought me into temptation. And my temptation a lot of times is to get into anger. And then I get into anger and then my mouth becomes real idle, okay? And then what really happens is this. God still loves me, Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? You're like, I don't know about that. <laughs> God forgives me, amen. amen, right? But what happens? I grieve the Holy Spirit. I grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying I'm not forgiven. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm forgiven but I grieve the Holy Spirit. So then what happens is this. Now I don't sense the closeness of the Holy Spirit anymore. So there's a lot of times in your life where you feel like God is distant. He's not distant. You probably just grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you get that? And there's nothing worse to me than that. I promise you. I mean, you could, like, beat me up. I don't care. Not feeling the Holy Spirit close to me, I will freak out. And it's a good thing. I really, truly believe that my grandma prayed it into my life. I promise you. Because when I get into flesh and I get into sin, I, the closeness of the Holy Spirit, I freak out more about that than whatever I'm freaking out about. And then what do I got to do? I got to come quickly to the throne of grace to receive and go, Lord, I am sorry. 
You know what's so cool about when you say, Lord, I'm sorry? It's like he is right there. And the Holy Spirit is right there. And he goes, I understand what it's like to have hopelessness and temptation. It's okay. We understand this. The second example that we come with today is this. It's from David. Go with me to 2 Samuel. OT, Old Testament. I know you love it when I do that. So I do it just for you. Literally just for you. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. I'm talking about King David. In the spring of the year, when kings normally went to war, David said, Joab uh, and the Israel army to the Amorites. They destroyed the Amorite army and laid siege upon the city of Rahab. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem late one afternoon after his midday rest. Can we get an amen for midday rest? Who's going to take a midday rest today? Amen. Okay. It says this, David got out of bed and walked on his roof of his palace. I'm going to walk on my roof today. Shannon and Christina, I'm going to say hello to you guys this morning, okay? Late one afternoon, okay, I said it. As he looked over the city, he noticed a woman with unusual beauty taking a bath. We got a problem, Houston, okay? Verse 3, he sent someone to find out who she was. And they told him, gosh, you're making me laugh. Stop it. Stop it, okay? It says she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. The Hittite. Verse 4, David sent a message to go get her. And she came to the palace and he slept with her. And when she returned home later, Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant. And she sent a message to David saying, I am pregnant. Okay, so we have an issue. David has fallen into temptation. David's been a bad boy. Amen? Okay? He's doing some things. Okay? Not the right things. Okay? Now, we need to pause here because we need to define something. Okay? I would say, I'd probably say most of us in this room, when we think of the word temptation or sin, we think of it in the terms of big things, right? So we look at David and we're like, David is what? He's sleeping with somebody else's wife. This whole story's messed up. David sleeps with somebody else's wife. He gets her pregnant. He brings her husband back home from battle tells him to go home to sleep with his wife so that, she, so that he thinks that's his child. He won't do it. He's loyal to the man. He's loyal to David. So then David gets him drunk and tries to get him to sleep with his wife. He still won't do it. So then David, out of his anger and his rage, sends him back and tells him, put Uriah on the front lines. They put him on the front lines of the battle. And then he said, David instructed them, everybody retreat so that he is slaughtered. This could be a movie, people, okay? This is like one of those like terrible books that people read, you know, like the love, you know, you know, like with the like scandalous person on the cover, you know what I mean? People are trying to hide them when they're on flights and stuff, and you're like, I know what you're reading. You're reading some nasty today, okay, right? 
This is the Bible, people. Okay? So we think of sin as what? Big things, right? We're talking about greed, sexual immorality, addictions, right? That's how we see sin, okay? Now, I want to be clear. The Lord loves you even in those seasons. I had seasons of pornography. And men, uh, men, anybody in here, I just keep feeling the Lord say this. If you are tied up in pornography, tell us. You will receive no shame. You will receive no guilt from me. We will help you find victory in life. God has better. Okay? And the reason I tell you I had seasons like that is because I want you to understand that God can restore and reheal and renew. Amen? We don't shame sin. Ever. I was shamed my whole life in church. That is not the heart of Jesus. He wants to heal. So, but we think of sin in these big categories, okay? But we need to understand what real sin is. Real sin is this. Anytime the Holy Spirit says something to you, hey, I want you to change this. And we choose to put our own good before God, we walk in sin, Right? Let me give you an example. For the last year, God has been just pounding me, knocking on the door of my life. And he keeps telling me, Jeff, go lift weights. Yeah, did you hear somebody say, somebody said, what? That's not what God says. God talks about spiritual things. He talks about big things. No, no, no. He's been talking to me about lifting weights. He said, I want you to get in shape. Jess is like, amen, bring it on, okay? Keeps talking to me about it. The other day, the language changed. He said, will you stop disobeying me? And I was like, this is a sin issue now, isn't it? He's like, yep, I need you to obey. See, we, we can't categorize sin as just these big things. Listen, sometimes sin is gossip. You know, that's the one thing I hate. Like, I just hate it in church. If you gossip in my church, I will find you. I will knock on your door. I will call you out. I hate gossip. But we look at things like gossip and go, that's not a big deal. Right? So we got to learn from David. Okay? First thing is this. How do we find victory over temptation? What should have David did that he didn't? The first thing is this. He laid down his armor. Number one is lay down his armor. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says this. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Right? Because he understands you, he knows you, he studies you, he knows your patterns, he knows what will tempt you that will not tempt somebody else. That's why it drives me crazy in church when people go, I can't believe they fell to that. Well, I can't believe you're falling to that, right? It's just a matter of perspective, okay? He understands you and the enemy wants to bring you into temptation, but God wants you to put on his armor. Okay, it wasn't time for David to be at home. It was time for David to be at war, okay? And we gotta understand that we are in a war. 
We are in a war for your spouse. Don't ever get comfortable with your spouse. Ooh, man, I just stepped on some toes, right? Don't get comfortable with your spouse. Somebody else will make them their spouse, right? Honor your spouse. Be in love with your spouse. Give your best to your spouse. You're in a war. The enemy hates your marriage. The enemy hates your children. The enemy hates your family. You are in a war, right? We got to fight in the name of Jesus for the things that we believe for. We got to stand for the things that we believe for. We can't allow the enemy to take us out to sea. We can't allow culture to just move us into what they think in their perspectives. We gotta fight in our house. We gotta teach our children. We gotta show them the word of God. We gotta raise them up. We gotta fight for our families. We gotta fight for your grandkids. We are in a war that we gotta fight for. It's not time to rest. Amen? David should have been at war. Ephesians 6, verse 14, it says this. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth. Teach your family truth. Teach your children truth. Reveal. Listen, this is not the time to put your heads in the sands and just hide your kids from the earth. Amen? You need to sit down with your kids and help them understand what's going on in the earth and help them understand what God's perspective is. Right? I, I remember growing up, my family would just be like, don't have sex. I'd be like, why? In my head, I was like, why? Right? I'm like, all my friends say, it's amazing. Right? Nobody ever sat me down and was like, here, let me tell you about God's best for your life. Let me explain this to you. Let me explain what it means when two people have sex and they're joined together forever and that God has better for you. Just sit down with them. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the armor of God's righteousness. Understand that you are the righteousness of Christ Jesus and that he loves you. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news. You know, peace doesn't come from the circumstances of the world, but real, true peace comes because you are in relationship with Jesus. Did you all feel peace when we were worshiping today? Yes. Why? You were in the presence of the Lord. Okay? Verse 16, in addition to these, hold up the shield of faith that stops the fiery arrows of the devil. Do you know that he's shooting fiery arrows at your heart? He's trying to get you into hopelessness. That's his desire every single day. Every day you wake up, his desire is to shoot fiery darts into your heart so that you lose hope and you lose faith in Jesus. But we hold up the shield of faith. We walk in faith. Did you hear me? We walk in faith. And we go, I know what's happening in the world, but I know what's happening in heaven. And what's, oh, on heaven? Awesome. Siri just found something on heaven for me. Praise God. Okay. We walk in faith. Verse 17, put on salvation's helmet. Take the sword of the spirit. What's the sword of the spirit? 
I love this when I worked at Living Word for Pastor Pat up in Dayton. We had this box in the lost and found, and it said lost swords on it. And I was always like, where's the swords? You know what I mean? As, you get it, okay? It's the Bible, okay? Hey! You know what I mean? Okay. Listen. <laughs> where's the swords? You know, like, I want to have a sword fight. Let's go. Okay? We had a bunch of lost Bibles. Listen, the Bible is your sword. You wouldn't go into battle blessing people. You go with a sword and a shield. I'm gonna hold up my shield of faith and I'm gonna cut you down with the word of God. When the enemy tempted Jesus, what did Jesus repeat back to the enemy? He repeated the word of God. You have to know the word of God. You will never find victory over anything unless you know what the word of God says for that issue. And I promise you, just put it into Google, you'll find the word of God. Be like, I'm struggling with, um, I'm struggling with anxiety. It'll give you thousands of scriptures. Just, there you go. You have to know the word of God. Okay? Verse 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and occasions. Stay alert. Second thing David should have done is this. He doesn't look to God. He doesn't keep his eyes on the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. We look from the we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze on Jesus. Fasten to click in to Jesus. He is the example because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. And he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now is exalted at the right hand of God. Listen, David ran after his own desires. And here's the truth. The Lord will let you. Right? It's the greatest thing. It's called free will. You can do whatever you want. You can choose life. You can choose not to find life. Nothing, nothing drives me more crazy as a pastor than when I want to help people, but they don't want help. Sometimes I have people come, they marriage counsel with me or they pre-marriage counsel with me and they think they know it all. And I'm like, good for you. Good for you. I promise you I can help you. I promise you I'll show you the word of God. I promise you I'll lead you into victory. But you got to choose it. You want it. You got to desire it. David took his eyes off the Lord and he said, this is what I want. This is what I want. Listen, you got to fight through some things sometimes. Let me tell you the story. So it was Jess's birthday back in December. Okay. So I took her out, took her out on this day. Okay. We went to the mall. The mall is packed. I loved it. I was like, bring it on. Let's go. Okay. Went to the mall. Jess wanted to get her nails did right? Not done, did, okay? That's how we properly say it, okay? Jess wanted to get her nails did, okay? So Jess is getting her nails did. So she sends me off to get some coffee, okay? So I stand in the insane Starbucks line for coffee for a long time. I get the coffee, and then I got to go to finish line because I got to get one last present for Christmas, okay? So I'm like standing in front of the finish line. They have these stupid ropes right now where they only let so many people in, and so I'm standing there, and I'm like waiting to get in, and this guy comes out, and he's like, hey, everybody, we got to make a line. I'm like, no, just let me in. You know what I mean? And so 
I go and I get in line and I turn just like this. I promise you, I turn just like this, okay? And can we just have a moment of truth? This is a truth moment, okay? So you all need to chill out when I say about what I'm about to say, okay? All of you just need to chill out, okay? So I turn and there's these two girls that are so skinny, but their booties are like something like that is out of, out of a, like, I don't know what, okay? There has been something done to these ladies, okay? And they have the tightest yoga pants on that I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, really, Jesus? Like, right in front of me, right now, okay? You know what I mean? And I was like, what am I going to do? Right? Listen, I'm talking about real life. Maybe none of you deal with real life, but I deal with real life. Okay? Sometimes you got to choose to put your eyes on Jesus. So I'm standing there with my coffee, and I go like this. Like I'm a lost boy. Like somebody's like, have you lost your wife? Can I help you? I will take you to your wife. I promise you. I'm like, I'm, I'm like this, okay? And then finally, like, it gets to me, and the guy is like, waving me on. He's got a mask and I can't understand anything. It is loud. And he's like, sir, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, back to earth. You know what I mean? You got to choose sometimes. Put your eyes on Jesus. You got to choose sometimes to push through temptation, to fight through it. And here's the deal. Jess wasn't there. You weren't there. Nobody was there. I could have lusted. I could have went into temptation and nobody would have known except for who? The Lord. The Lord. What are you going to do when nobody's looking? What are you going to do when nobody's around? Are you going to honor the Lord? Are you going to keep your eyes focused on the Lord? Number three is this. David didn't watch and pray. Ephesians chapter 6, 18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. You have got to be in the presence of the Lord. People who have real relationship, people who have a prayer life and a worship time outside of Sunday morning, Love Jesus. It's important. You gotta fight for it. It's not easy. I understand. My life is so busy. Our life with our kids are busy. It's just a busy season of life. But I gotta fight. I gotta fight to get down into my basement. It's one of the things that I've been teaching Michael. It's one of the things that we've been talking about so much lately. It's like, listen, I know that, like, you know, uh, the office is on Peacock and you can stream it now and it's awesome, you know. But I'm like, you gotta get into the basement. You gotta spend time with the Lord. You gotta know his voice. You gotta be in the presence of God. You gotta have a prayer life. Number four is this, he was alone. He was alone. Listen, the enemy will do his best work when you feel alone, are alone, and isolated. Okay, so when, when we don't want godly relationships, it typically tells me that that person has something they're hiding, right? Because sin and temptation lives in darkness and isolation. So anytime, parents, hear this out, write this down. I'm giving you a tip. Okay, I was a youth pastor for a long time. Anytime your kid gets quiet and kind of isolates himself 
from the family, I promise you there's sin. Promise you. You just have to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it. Okay? Sin lives in darkness. Sin lives in isolation. And when we don't want relationship, why do you think I, every single week I'm like, get into a group, get into a group, get into a group? You need connection. You need relationship. You need other people to stand with you, walk with you. You need people that you can make relationship to have accountability with. You need people. And when that doesn't happen, it tells me that that person goes, I don't want you to get close to me because I don't want you to see my sin. Right? But the truth is this. Jesus understands hopelessness and temptation, and he wants to free you from it. And that's what this church is about. This church is not about people just coming on Sunday mornings and be like, that was a good message. Hope there's another one next week. You can go find those churches. They're everywhere. We are a church about people being in love with Jesus Christ and finding victory because he paid such a great price on the cross so that you can live in victory. Can I get an amen from anybody? Worship team, come on up really quick. Worship team, come on up really quick. First John 1, 9 says this. But if we freely admit our sin when his light uncovers it, says this, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. Can I get an amen from anybody? That God forgives every time. Every time, every time. I wanna speak to somebody, I can feel it in my spirit right now. There's somebody in here, you're struggling in a sin pattern that you keep going back to it over and over and over again. And you just feel like, how could God forgive me? His grace abounds, his grace abounds. And his grace is abounding because he's drawing you closer to him. He wants you close to him. He wants to help you free you. God is just to forgive us of our sins because of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. In your weakness. That's when the power, the strength of the Holy Spirit empowers you and goes, you know what? I know you can't do this on your own, but through me, you can succeed. Through me, you can overcome. Oh man, I can feel the power of the Holy Spirit right now. I can feel the power of the Holy Spirit going, if you'll just give it to me. You can't wrestle with this anymore. Give it to me, loose it to me, let it go to me. It says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. The other day, it's Friday, me and Jess had the day off, and I did something I shouldn't have done. I just, we went to lunch and we started talking about the world. Woo, man, right? Started talking about the world, and then the day just kind of like snowballed, and then all of a sudden, at one point in the day, like, like Jess is like 
tweet like the nicest person in the world until you cross that line. And then you're like, oh God, I've, I've unleashed the beast, okay? And the beast came out and it was just like, whoa! And my first initial response, what's my weakness? Anger. My weakness is anger. My first response initially was, I'm gonna get angry at my wife. I'm gonna allow anger to overtake this situation. And then I just felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. He said, be quiet. He said, be quiet. That's all I need you to do right now. I just need you to be quiet. Don't allow this anger to overtake you. Don't allow this temptation. This is the enemy trying to bring strife into your home. Don't take the bait right now, Jeff. And I felt the power of the Holy Spirit just give me the strength to be quiet. Amen. He will strengthen you in his weakness, in your weakness. Hebrews 4, 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace of God. There we will receive his mercy and you will find the grace to help us when we need it the most. Why don't you stand on up this morning? Now I want you to close your eyes. Will you lower those house lights for me, please? If the enemy has brought you into hopelessness, temptation, he's got you into sin, today's the day of victory. Today's the day of life, okay? Come on, raise your hands to heaven. Just start talking to the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for victory. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. you just start telling the Lord, say, this is where I feel hopeless. This is where the temptation is overtaking me. Just start giving it to the Lord, surrendering it to the Lord. Just start talking to him. He's not mad. He's happy. He's excited. He wants to heal. He wants to restore. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for service on Sundays or at a dinner party on Friday nights. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information.